experiences that they have had in, of all places, the state of Michigan. Now, even though we're not going to hear some tale of an eyewitness account of some eight-foot hairy creature, we are going to hear what I think are just as important facts when it comes to these things being in the area and experiencing the peripheral effects of their presence. I think it's just as important to hear about this stuff as it is to hear about the eyewitness accounts. So Joanna, Bill. Hello. Welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you. How are you guys this evening? We're good, thanks. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Yeah. So it struck me today that other than my one episode with uh, the physician's untold stories, the Dr. Kabalba from Illinois, and I never asked him. He may have some relation to Michigan as well. I don't know. (laughs) But other than that, every episode that I have released in some way, shape, or form, has come through the state of Michigan. Yeah, and ours does too. And that that just really struck me as very coincidental that 20 or 21 episodes would would all involve the state of Michigan. Well, and I'll add that, ironically, we are from Illinois. So it kind of keeps the circle going because <laughs> if your last guest was from very close to where we lived in the Chicagoland area. Wow. That is kind of weird. Yeah. There's been a lot of weird things with this, uh, this podcast, uh, on a personal level. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of weird synchronicities. Well, and maybe it's unfolding as it should. That, that's entirely possible. And that's how I like to look at things. So, if you would, I know we've had several conversations about this, and and you were at first not interested at all in talking about this. And uh, I think think our first conversation, you, in in a way, were almost kind of feeling me out as far as either my, my stance on it or maybe my knowledge on it 
because you you kind of had a you kind of had a squirrely look on your face when when we talked about it, and I was I was half expecting you to poke fun at me or or roll your eyes or make fun of the subject, but yeah. you, but you didn't. So that enough enough with you and I uh, our conversations. Let's get into what led to you and I having that conversation. Okay. Uh, should I just start from the beginning? Yep. Okay. So, uh, like I said, my husband and I are from Illinois originally. Uh, we live in the South Bend area now, but um, we go tent camping up in the Upper Peninsula every summer for the last few years. And um, we go up in Marquette County, which is pretty uh, rural, pretty out of the way. I've never, I don't think met anybody else who vacations up there. Um, so we've been up there for a few years in a row now. And um, this last summer, we had some experiences that we eventually kind of pieced together. Um, but I will preface this by saying that uh, where we're from in Chicago, Bigfoot does not exist. I mean, I've never had a conversation about Sasquatch in my life. My husband hasn't. I mean, it just doesn't exist in the city. Um, I mean, we saw Harry and the Hendersons, and <laughs> that's where it ended. You know? It's not like you're going to see one walking down Rush Street. Right. I mean, it just... <laughs> Uh, can he but, get, can your husband get a little closer to the phone? Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, so it didn't really exist in our world at all. And I'd actually never thought about it until a few months ago or whenever it was when you and I first spoke about the footprints. But, um, so anyway, so we're city people. And so, obviously, we're a little naive going up to the wilderness of the UP, but we do. And so, this last summer, we went up, and everything was the same. Um, Bigfoot is pretty popular up there. Indeed, and we, yes. We, yeah. And so, we always kind of giggle about the, you know, signs we see on the side of the road and all the Bigfoot memorabilia, and there's like a little Bigfoot, you know, museum gift shop thing up there. And so, you know, we always just kind of chuckled at it, and um, that was it. Never really thought about it. Um, so there's this little beach we love to go to. Um, it's off the beaten path. It's really a local beach where no one, no tourists or anyone ever goes to, only the locals area, local people go there. Oh, I got you. So, so it's, it's not really just, on the map for tourists. No. No, it's just like it's uh, one of the locals. When we when we met a local there, they're, they're the ones that told us that no one knows about this besides the locals, and we're going to show it to you because yeah. it's one of the best, best spots to be. The water's great. I mean, it's very secluded. And so they took, showed us showed us this spot. Yeah. So that's where we like to go. We took our kids there this past summer. And um, as we were walking down the beach, we noticed some very, very big footprints. And... Um, in the sand? In the sand, yeah. Going along the water. And they were going 
alongside what we found out are gray wolf tracks. Um, so my husband jokingly said, oh, yeah, maybe it's Bigfoot. And um, But the problem was it was the, the spacing between the footprints wasn't like normal spacing like a human being. Right. They, I'm six foot two, six foot three, and I have a size 12 foot. So, I mean, these spaces, when I, when I did the stretch of the legs to walk it, it was a few feet. It was, it was, I was, I was a little bit short. So, so he, yeah. So my husband insisted we take photos of him. So I did. Um, and again, didn't think much of it. Um, but that was probably the first time we've ever actually had a conversation like that. Um, so we had two more experiences, uh, that same week. Well, let's, Um, let's, let's slow down a little bit here. Let's talk about these, uh, these footsteps on the, on the beach. Yeah. So when you first told me about these, you were able to produce a photograph and it was, it was a close up of your husband's foot standing in the track right yeah and by my estimation it looked like the track was a good two to two and a half maybe two and three quarter inches longer than your husband's foot yeah at least so after going online looking at what the average size male's foot who wears a size 12 shoe measures i came up with the the figure that was in this grid and then added two and three quarter inches to it. And that put that footprint at being right about 15 inches yeah, from heel to toe. Now, the thing that perplexed me about it when you first showed me that picture was one, it was considerably larger than your husband. Um, that's when I asked you what size shoe he wore, because if he was a, a men's size eight, it wouldn't be that that drastic of a difference to, you know, being a six foot four, right. four guy. Yeah. But you told me how tall he was. So that put it in perspective for me. But the thing that bothered me about the track was that from the perspective of your photo, which was a little off to the side of his foot, the track did not look much wider than your husband's foot did. No. Yeah, and it wasn't that. Yeah, And that, that caused me pause for a second. But then the more you research this topic, you find that young females and young males reportedly have the length, but not the width to their mm-hmm. foot. Now, some speculate it's because they haven't put on their full adult weight and they don't need the, the, um, the large flat footed width of, of a foot yet. Perhaps mm-hmm. they get that as they mature. But then you indicated that you had other pictures and that you took a picture of the entire trackway. And for for a good period of time, you weren't able to provide that for me. And it wasn't that I didn't believe you, but I just had no uh, visual reference. Right. And then you sent it to me today. Yeah, I just found it today, which is so weird. It was in my Facebook timeline. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, as far as a photographer goes, you're a little blurry. <laughs> but, so sorry. But, <laughs> but what's striking about the prints are that from the perspective that you are on the backside of the prints, 
and the sun was obviously on the on the water edge side of the prints that it creates quite a shadow on mm. all of the footprints that are in that sand which was pretty telling because the footstep trackway that you're talking about was considerably darker in shadow than the other footsteps around it yeah they were really deep which which lends to a considerable size difference or white yeah and you said that they're the depth that they went into the sand was roughly three to four inches yeah which that's that's quite a bit of that's quite a bit of weight. Now, even a normal size human being, you know, leaves a pretty good divot when you're walking in the sand. Well, yeah. What got me with that photo that I found today is that you can see the tracks that we're talking about, but you can see people tracks mm-hmm. around it. You know, going up and down the beach. Right. And they're hard. You can hardly, you know, the print is just minuscule the depth of the print is minuscule compared to the big tracks, which were, like I said, a few inches deep. And I was so glad to find that photo because I couldn't convey, you know, how deep they were without that picture because it has the comparison in it. And then you find that there's, there's a, a canid print alongside of it. Yes. And, how did you come by confirmation that that was a, a gray wolf? Um, I'm not sure. I think we might have asked, uh, who did we talk to? It could have been the, the guy at the campground. There was there was a maintenance guy at the campground that we were talking to, and we asked him about the wildlife in the area and stuff like that, like moose and dogs and stuff. And we showed him that picture, and he said, yeah, that's a great wolf. And he he's a local in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he told us that there's a pack of gray wolves that run around here. So, Which we've actually seen them crossing the road. They ran in front of us. So. But, yeah, so he confirmed because we weren't sure if, like I said, we're city folks. We're like, it could be a lab or it could be a wolf. So, uh, but, yeah, he confirmed that there were wolf tracks and, you know, for a few reasons. And the odd thing about it was that it looked like the tracks had aged about the same amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you either have a all-star NBA player who decided <laughs> to go barefoot jogging down the beach with, with a his, giant dog, with his pet wolf. Right. Or you have something else. Right. Yeah. And there yeah. have been... There have been reports that I've come across of, I don't know if you would say that they're working in tandem or they're somewhat of a an agreed upon, an, an agreement between the two, either, you know, one's more successful at hunting than the other, perhaps right. they share, share the, the food, but there have been reports of, of Sasquatch seen with wolves. Yeah, which I didn't even know at the time. So when we saw the tracks, we were like, that's weird that there's these tracks with the wolf tracks so close. So, yeah, that struck us too. So what's your what's your feeling at this point? You're standing there, you're looking at these tracks, you take a couple of pictures. Are you, um, are you feeling weird about it or is it just you kind of tuck it away and not really yeah, thinking much I about mean, it? Yeah, I mean, we didn't feel weirded out or anything. We were just once... 
we left, we didn't think about it again. Um, we were more excited about seeing the wolf tracks than anything. Yeah, we, um, we, we said a couple things that like joking around, like yeah. a wolf was chasing a guy down the down the beach, or right. you know, I mean, we were like like she said, we're we're city people, and you know, and we didn't know. We, we, we just don't know. Yeah, so we didn't really be after that. After we uh, showed the tracks to the guy at the campground and everything, that was it. We didn't think of it again. And actually, we didn't even piece it all together until really after talking to you. So, um, but yeah, so we weren't weirded out or anything because, like I said, it didn't exist in our world at that point. It was right. just nice to see some some wildlife tracks. Right. Sure. We were yeah. just excited yeah. for that. Yeah. So then you had a couple more experiences. Yeah. So we had um, two more experiences, and I can't remember which one came first. Um, but our next experience, I'll say, was we – so along the side of the main highway up, up in Big Bay is the area we were in. Um, it's a very dense national park there, very dense, and very few residents. So – the cool thing is anywhere you want to hike, you just pull off to the side of the road, lock your car and go. And you can go into the woods on either side of the road and be hiking. So we were driving and we found this little opening in the trees and uh, we knew it was a path and had a little marker. So we hopped out and decided to check it out. And this was in the daytime. It was very bright and sunny and clear. We had our kids with us. We had our kids with us who were um, 9 and uh, 11. And so we decided to go check it out. And so we walked into the woods and down to uh, – there's more beach there. But we stayed in the wooded path between the beach and the road. And so um, – I will say, and my husband, I know, felt the same thing. It was very eerie there. It was so quiet, you could hear yourself breathing. Um, there was a lot of flies, uh, very quiet. Very quiet, which we didn't, I mean, that we didn't know what to expect, you know. So we didn't think anything of it, but, you know, in retrospect, what? I mean, I was... You must have thought something about it if you remembered that feeling of it being quiet. Yeah, and I just, I was super creeped out. I didn't know my husband was creeped out, and he didn't know I was. Um, and I just kept it to myself, thinking I'm just being silly, you know. But um, my husband instinctively had told our kids to walk between us. So he was in the back. Walking backwards. The two kids, and then me. <laughs> So we're walking down this path, and we're all just really quiet. And all of a sudden, we heard this low growl, just one single low growl out of nowhere. No warning, nothing. And it was it was horrifying. I can't even describe the fear I felt in that moment. And I knew it wasn't... a mountain lion um and as far as a bear goes i would imagine in a very quiet woods you might hear a bear creeping up on you i mean they're big and you know break branches and um 
But we had no warning. So we heard this massive growl. I mean, you could feel it in your chest. It was so loud. And we stopped. And my husband froze. And he said, okay, don't run. Just start walking back, you know, to where we came from. Mm -hmm. And he he had a knife on him. um, But we didn't have bear spray. We didn't have guns. We didn't have anything with us. Um, and so my husband, I was in the front, the two kids in the middle, and then my husband was walking backwards so he could watch behind us. And so mama had, mama had all her ducks in a row and and dad was walking backwards. Right. Cause he was like, we had no way to protect our kids. So he said, I have to get between whatever it is and the kids so that the thing will go for him as opposed to our kids. Yeah. Like I heard stories about like uh, cougars and stuff like that, you know, that they tend to attack from behind. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, if something's looking at them, that's why I was walking backwards throughout the whole time. We were trying to walk out of the woods and off the trail. Right. Because I've, I watched, I watch videos and stuff like that before we even went on hikes, and I've seen people have, like, skull caps on and put so eyes into the back right. of their skull caps yep. Yep. just because of that. So I didn't have nothing like that. So that's why I put my kids in between us, and I walked backwards with a knife in my hand just in case. So, so. we had it out of there quickly and quietly. We didn't want our kids to be alarmed. Um, we didn't tell them. We didn't tell them. They heard the growl too but we you know just tell them we just need to leave don't worry about it and i swear i couldn't get out of that woods fast enough that was the longest five ten minutes of my life i there you don't know fear until you realize in this moment there's nothing i can do to protect my children you know Mm -hmm. and that's what i felt but it didn't i just didn't think it was a cougar or bear because Everything we've heard from the locals, you know, just everything we've learned about those animals tells us this couldn't have been a one of a bear or a cougar, which I could be wrong, like I said, we're from Chicago. But um but yeah, so we got out of there Let me ask you about that growl. Yeah. So you know, I haven't spent a good deal of time out in the woods myself and having hunted. And I don't think it even has anything to do with that. But typically, when you hear a sound, there there can be an an assumed level of where that sound came from, whether it was above you or below you, beside you, behind you. Right. Um, If it was low to the ground, if it was high in a tree. So when you guys experience this this growl, first I'd like to know what your guess to the uh, the duration of it, how long it how long it lasted, you already indicated that you could feel it in your, in your bones, in your chest. Um, but can you, can you give me an idea? Was there any sense of, was it at head level with you? Was it higher? Was it not on the ground? Well, you know, when we were walking, we were walking, it was a pretty much, it was pretty much all trees and there was like scattered, scattered like um, weeds throughout the trees. So anything wait like waste waste below was covered pretty much. So a lot um, of scrub brush. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So it wasn't there. It, the growl, the growl, or the rumble that we felt, it was inside the brush. It wasn't up high. It was down low. Um, like level and, with us almost. Yeah. It, but it, yeah. It, I mean, you know, I would <laughs> say it. It must have been at least standing on the ground because we could feel it. But yeah, I would say it was. It was to our right on the path, which was between the road in the woods and it couldn't have been far I mean it had to have been 20 30 feet from us it was close it was really close and it was probably somewhere like a 10 second growl yeah yeah, it was pretty long it I mean it we were so baffled honestly the what I can compare it to I couldn't describe it for like the longest I heard an alligator growl recently hmm. that is what it sounded like but there's no alligators yeah not up in northern <laughs> in the UP <laughs> not even in the but, summertime <laughs> but that's the sound it sounded like that just this low strong rumbling that just kind of went on and on it felt like and stopped you right in your tracks oh yeah it was horrifying there was no did you hear that no i didn't hear that you no. you, you all you are all oh, perfectly our, aware of. Much, we much, all heard yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much me, me and Joanna here. Uh, we looked at each other, and I just gave her the look, and I was like, "Just keep walking, kids. Stay in the middle." And I just and then I was like, "Yeah, let's go. Let's get out of here." <laughs> and then well, I the walked kids, backwards. yeah. I mean, the kids heard it, but we, like I said, we told them, you know, it's probably just an animal. We just need to get out of his space. You know, we're fine. Daddy's behind us. And, you know, so I think they were nervous, but I I think they were handling it better than my husband and I, honestly. But, you know, they don't, they don't know the realities out there. You know, they're still. I, I know you work with dogs on a regular basis. Yeah. Is there any way what you heard? based on, on the, the height of the scrub brush that was around you, is there any way that you would have could have made an assumption that that could have been some some sort of a canine or a wolf? No. No, there's no way. I, whatever we heard, it had to have been huge. I mean, I you know, I've probably heard 5,000 dogs growl before. Big dogs, little, I mean, everything. I've groomed dogs that are twice my size, and this was so big. So that's the only way I can describe it. It had to have been bigger than a canine. It had to have been bigger than a mountain lion, I would think, because it was so deep and resounding. Interesting. So you guys make your way back to the vehicle, and what's the conversation once you get safely inside the vehicle? We're out. <laughs> yeah. We were like, nope, well, I'm done. We're, we're going back to the campground and we're never hiking here again. And that's it. We, we certainly didn't think Bigfoot. You know, we were convinced it was local wildlife. And, or at least we were trying to be convinced that it was local wildlife. And there's still uh, a possibility that it could be. It could be, yeah. Like I said, we didn't see it. Uh, 
was just we never heard anything like that before. It was crazy. Yeah, it was, and, cra- and there was nobody there. Um, we did notice a few times on this path there was just nobody on this hiking trail, and up there the hiking trails are very crowded normally. And we did see on the path there was um, prints of bear. Yeah. You we, know, stuff like that. You know, you do see wildlife prints on the trail and stuff, you know, and there's a lot of game trails. Yeah. Through, so, through there, so we can't for sure say what it was, but what the next experience we had is what kind of put me over the edge um, because I really can't, even the people around us couldn't figure it out what it was. Um, we went to Sugarloaf Mountain, which is very, all this stuff is within, all these spots are within, what, 10 miles of each other? Less than 10 miles of each other? miles from each other. So all these spots where hiking and the beach are all, you know, they're all with, so nearby to each other. It's really all the same trail. Right. Pretty much. The trail goes across that whole section of the UP, but... So we went hiking on Sugarloaf Mountain, which is the most popular hiking spot in the, in probably in Marquette County. Um, the trail's usually packed. Um, oh, it's beautiful so, up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've we've hiked it a few times, and yeah, it's it's we love it there. So we decided to hike it, um, and it was again a, a nice day. It was a little overcast, but uh, we took the long trail. We took our kids. We took the hard trail. No, it was the easy trail. First. Was it? Yes, it was the easy trail first, and that's when it had stairs and all that. Right, so. he's right. Was, <laughs> to me, it was hard. <laughs> Come on, but, guys, um, get it together. <laughs> so we have our kids with us, and we're hiking up, and it wasn't as crowded as usual but it was still pretty busy and we were kind of walking along with a few other people and uh about maybe halfway up the mountain maybe a little more my daughter and I heard this sound um and I can't I have a hard time describing it uh my husband and son were either ahead of us or behind us a bit and so my daughter and I heard this almost like a huffing, growling. It was very rhythmic, what we heard. And again, it was very resounding and deep. Um, and we could not figure out what it was. We stopped and we were looking out into the woods um, to see if we saw anything. And... Um, nothing and we could hear it and it was just repetitive going over and over and over again so once you stopped you you continued to hear it 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 didn't it didn't stop no i mean even after we continued hiking up we could hear it so we could hear it as we were hiking up you know which was bizarre so it was basically in line with you as you continued your journey up the hill. Yeah. I don't know if it was following us or if it was just so big and loud, we could hear it. And it, it wasn't just us. I mean, the other folks hiking could hear it as well. Oh, and really? 
Yeah, and everybody was kind of like, what is that? And um, Well, that's, that's when you get scared of thumping, too. Yeah, so I'll get to that. So, so uh, <laughs> we hear this huffing, growling. I mean, it was just like, I don't want to do it because I'll sound funny. But um, nobody's gonna make fun of it. It was almost like, uh, but really deep and rumbly, and I don't, I don't know what it was. Nobody else could figure out what it was, and it just kept going. We didn't see anything. We didn't hear any branches breaking, or you know, it was just that sound. Did it sound like it was laboring, like it had been moving and was, you know, not necessarily out of breath, but had been yeah. under some kind of stress that it had been working? Yeah, yeah that's a, that's how I would describe it. Almost just like, like you're saying, yeah, it was, I don't want to say out of breath, but it was that type of Something that sound. wasn't at rest. No, right. And, um... So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. (laughs) No, (laughs) it wasn't my husband trying to hike up the mountain. But um, so once we got to the top, we didn't hear it up there. But give me me an idea. Tell the listeners how for about time wise, how long how long did you continue to to hear this? It was about good 10 minutes. Yeah, I would say 10 minutes about um, because we were about halfway or two-thirds up the hill, and it's pretty quick from there to get to the top. So, And it wasn't, like, consistent. It was, like, on and off, on and off. Yeah, but it just so. kept going. And so once we got to the top, and my I didn't even think about this until uh, a couple weeks ago. And my husband, we could hear a sound. And my husband kept saying, trying to figure out what it was. It was driving him nuts. And this is at the top of Sugarloaf Mountain. So we don't hear the huffing anymore. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's nothing. We're on the top of a mountain, you know. And he's like, what could it be? Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Well, a few weeks ago, we were kind of bickering about what we heard up there. And he's, if you remember, he described it to you as somebody whacking a tree with a hollow stick as hard mm-hmm. as they can yeah. over and over again. And when he said that, it kind of took my breath away because I had never thought about put two and two together. I had kind of forgotten about that the knocking sound we heard on the top of the mountain. You know, I just was very focused on the huffing my daughter and I had noticed and that we'd all heard. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm from a construction field, so I know certain sounds. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, so when something sounded like something hollow hit in a tree, I knew exactly what it was, but there was no construction in the area. We're, we're on top of a mountain. Like, <laughs> there's no construction going on, so... Uh, you know, and we're overlooking water, so it's it's it was just it was just very odd for that noise to be in that area there. Yeah, I assume when you got up to the top, the 
the crowd, uh, the the other people that you had been hiking up the hill with kind of thinned out a bit and they all went to their respective areas or, or where there's still yeah, several people around really, you? No, it's really big up there. There's like platforms everywhere. And so um, people were kind of spread out. I mean, when I say it was busy, there might have been five people up there with us, but we were so we were pretty spread out, but we could all see each other. You know, we could see everybody who was up there with us. Um, but yeah, nobody up there with us was banging on a tree with a, you know, stick, hollow stick. Um, but again, no, I mean, we, we thought it was strange, but also didn't think anything of it. Because, um, you know, we didn't know what it could be. So we just kind of... And at that point, you were oblivious to the thoughts of... Right. I mean, again, Bigfoot did not exist in our world. It's not that we didn't believe in Bigfoot. We never had asked ourselves if we do. Because there's never... That question's never been posed. And so... You know, we both thought, well, sure, it's possible, but anything's possible. I mean, that was it. And again, even after we left the mountain, even after we left the UP, we didn't talk about it until recently. Neither of us mentioned it. My daughter had mentioned the huffing. She She's asked me a few times what that could have been. And she thought it was strange. So, and I just told her, I don't know, you know. But it stuck in her head, too. And um, the deep growl. I mean, I, after we got home, honestly, I told my husband, I said, we're not going back there until we have bear spray and bring our firearms, you know, because I... I'd never felt unsafe up there until then. Well, you know, when you when you talk about northern Michigan and the Upper Peninsula, just some facts here. In the state of Michigan alone, 14 billion trees. Oh, my gosh. 20 or 22 million acres of undeveloped land. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wooded area accounts for 53% in the state of Michigan. Wow. So when people say that, oh, nothing can hide, we're, we're everywhere, everybody has a camera, everybody has a cell phone, everybody, we go everywhere. I'm telling you, with that amount of vastness in a state in the Midwest, if you had the ability to live off the grid and were smart enough to know how to feed yourself and provide food, you could disappear in a heartbeat. Yeah. And nobody would ever see you again, unless you wanted them to. Right. Yeah. Which I'd never thought about how uninhabited the UP is specifically. But there is a lot of logging that goes on up there, too. So Mm -hmm. It It is a big logging area. Um but I believe the um, population of the entire Upper Peninsula is like 40,000 or 30,000. I could be wrong, but it's very low. We'll have our fact checkers check that out. Okay. 
but you know, it's very low. So where, and especially where we are, we're near, um, Marquette city. Um, but we go a little, Oh, we go a little, um, would you say Northwest of there Mm -hmm. where it's more desolate? I mean, where we camp, it's a 40, 45 minute drive to get to anything. So, and if you drive the other way, that there's no more towns really. Right. So it is very, I don't want to say desolate, but it is very, um, quiet, secluded. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like little neighborhoods of like locals, maybe like 15 to 20 houses here and there. Yeah. But I, on what you're saying, I did, I guess it, I didn't realize just how big, and I don't just mean like, Space-wise, like land-wise, how big the UP is and how big the forest is where we are. I mean, I guess it doesn't hit you until you think about what's living in there. And it just kind of scared me to think, I mean, what could happen up in the woods? And I almost felt guilty for taking my children there with no protection. Well, that's understandable. Right. But again, like you said, you guys are predominantly city dwellers and you know, a lot of people don't think about the consequences of going out into a wooded area where there are predators. Right. And and so as city people people like us weekend warriors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They laugh yeah. at people they laugh at people like us because we don't know what we're doing and we're just up there Trying to learn. Trying to learn and figuring it out. But, yeah, I felt guilty. But the things we heard just kind of, I know they stuck with me. Again, my husband and I never spoke of this stuff until recently. And as you know, I had been kind of wondering, I guess Bigfoot curious, Mm -hmm. we'll call it, um, I forget how you and I started talking about it, but you asked me to show you the pictures of the footprints and that's what kind of opened, opened up the conversation. And then once you and I started talking about it more, I did started doing my own digging and discovered, Oh, there's actual evidence and data and And a great big rabbit hole. (laughs) And Oh man. Yes, sir. But I, I had never, I had never known people had found those, had found Bigfoot footprints. I didn't know hair had been found. I didn't know there were photos and video. I had never heard of the Patterson-Gimlin film or Patty. I mean, this was a whole new world for me. And I think I, I got really into it and, researching and and listening to podcasts and talking to you and you know I just kept going down the rabbit hole and I think I was kind of I don't want to say in denial but I guess I kept looking down the rabbit hole because I was wanting proof that it could not be Bigfoot I wanted to be wrong because it's much easier to say we heard a bear 
than to say we heard a Sasquatch, you know? I mean, people laugh at you. Right, yeah. That's that's the unfortunate truth of it. And I, and I think your reaction to it is much more common than than what people might think. I think our our nature as a human being is true is to try to rationalize and pack away in neat little box any right. of, any of the experiences that we have in life. Well, recently I saw somebody pose the question um, when will people believe in Bigfoot? What will it take for the world to believe that Sasquatch are real? And I thought about it, and my answer is that even if they produce a body, people will still not believe in Bigfoot because they don't want to. And that's the thing. We have more than enough evidence. The government acknowledges their existence. The army acknowledges their existence. I mean, these are just facts. And people still choose not to believe. And so I think until you have an experience yourself and can be honest with yourself about it, I mean, you're not going to want to believe. I didn't want to believe it, you know. And I could have very easily just said, eh, whatever, Bigfoots aren't real, you know. But you can't deny, once you're presented with all the facts and evidence and you hear thousands and thousands of testimonies and you realize the history of Sasquatch goes back to caveman times and the Native Americans, I mean, there's a history here. So once I realized all that, I mean... I think I really believed it when my husband believed it, you know, and we just finally kind of looked at each other and was like, yeah, yeah, I think it was uh, Bigfoot. Has your husband joined you in the, in the plunge down the rabbit hole as far as looking at different evidence and to an extent, I think what triggered his, you know, interest is we had a long, long phone conversation with James Lady, mm-hmm. who you introduced us. Yep. And so James Lady, I had been desperate to find someone, anyone who had been in our the area and knew what was going on there. I, I couldn't rest till I talked to somebody from that area. So James Lady spends a ton of time I mean, he camps in the same campground we camp in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hikes the same woods we hike. Which we did not know Which, that when we talked to him. We didn't know that until we started talking. And he said, oh, yeah. And I said the name of the campground. I said, that's where I camp. And we were describing the trails we were on. He's He's hiked those trails. And he did confirm for us, you know, that there was multiple sightings and uh, in the areas that yeah. we were talking about. And he had done a ton of research and captured a lot of sounds. And um, Yeah, his audio stuff is just it's, beyond bizarre. I have to say, and I wish I knew which one it was, but we watched a YouTube video. We were listening to his sounds mm-hmm. from there. 
and we heard the growl that we heard. Oh, so you've been holding out on me. You did not tell me that. (laughs) Oh, I thought I did. Yeah, he captured, and when we heard it, we just both looked at each other with our jaws open. We didn't even say anything. It was just like, and I said, that was it. Interesting. Yep, that was it. It was identical and freaked us out because it was like, okay, this is, this is real. And it's not just us who have experienced stuff in those very woods. It's, it's funny because from our, our first conversation about this stuff through that time to now, the, the progression that your, your text messages, your comments and your questions and your reactions to um, specific videos that I might have shared with you or uh, audio sources that I've shared with you. The, the difference in your, your reactions to that, you can see the progression of your, your research for yourself. You can see the, the progression of you going from, I don't know what the hell this was, I don't think it was Bigfoot, but, you know, I want to know what it was, so I'll give it a chance to, oh, this is kind of interesting, to, oh, there's there's a lot of stuff out there, to, holy shit. (laughs) You know, it's... it's, Right, uh, yeah. And I think that's something that everybody has to do for themselves. You know, you can can sit and talk about what, what I feel I understand about the, the phenomenon. And that's, that's only the things that to me resonate and, and feel like there's some truth to, you know, there's, there's certain things that I hear in in experiencers stories that kind of leave me not, not really buying it. And I don't like to be dismissive of anybody's experiences, but there's, there's an organic feel and I don't know how any better to explain that, but there's an organicness to a video that I feel is, is of a legitimate biological entity. Mm. And I feel that way when I'm listening to somebody talk, I think, I think that's how I've yeah. been able to vet my guests on this show. Because if I get red flags, right. then I'm certain that there's a lot more smarter people out there that are listening to this that are going to get red flags for it. And I don't want to ever right. be called out on the carpet for putting something out that I'm not willing right. to put my name on. It's it's such a it's such a there's a lot of bullshit out there that you have to. There is, through. and and that's the thing. And there are people who are willing to filter it and keep looking, and then there are people who would rather just say it's all bullshit. And I'm a very, very skeptical person. I mean, you have to really prove, there has to be proof for me to believe something. I'm very skeptical. I listen to a lot of like supernatural podcasts and all this stuff. And I'm just listening going, yeah, right. BS. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing a lot of stuff. I think the majority of stories people tell are, either made up or I mean if you want to see something you're going to see it if I want to make my house haunted feel haunted I mean 
I can do that. I can make every sound into a ghost. And exactly, you know, and just like, just like with Bigfoot, there are people who want other people to to think they saw a Bigfoot, and then there are people who saw a Bigfoot. And when you listen to enough of these encounters, I mean, there's a huge difference between the big burly hunter who's been hunting his whole life when he's talking about how he peed his pants and hasn't gone hunting in 10 years because of it. You could tell the difference between that and somebody making up a story talking about how they're roommates with, yeah. you know, Bigfoot. <laughs> and so, but I think once you have all the evidence and data and you open your mind and you listen to these encounters and even like, you know, all the famous Bigfoot celebrities, you know, uh, you listen to them and they're, and they're credible. And um, then you start to piece it together that, okay, this, this is real. Something I've been told my whole life is not real, is real. And it's actually really hard to deny it when you're faced with the evidence. I got into a debate with a family member about Bigfoot recently. Look at you go. And he said, said, (laughs) I know, I was so proud of myself. Uh, Well, my husband had asked him, do you believe in Bigfoot? And he said, no. And I said, well, why? And he said, it's not possible. It's just not possible. And I said, well, why isn't it possible? And he said, well, because it's not. That's a good excuse. And I said, I said, well, I can give you a bunch of facts supporting the idea that Bigfoot does exist. And I did. And I talked about how, you know, in the Army Mm -hmm. field book, there's a part on Sasquatch and the legislation protecting Sasquatch. And he said, no. I said, what do you mean? No, he said, that's not true. (laughs) I said, but it is. You can go look it up. It's public record. But anyway, so we let it go. But that's what I mean when I say people are only going to believe if they want to believe. You know, if they're open to it. If somebody doesn't want to believe, you know, they're just not going to do it. And I've said this before in other, on other shows, and, and I, I keep coming back to this. We have been uh, a civilized group, and I use that term loosely, We've been civilized for so long now. We we don't have to worry about what's making the noise in the bush when we're laying down next to the fire trying to sleep because we have four walls around us now. We can lock our doors. We can lock our windows. We can pull the shades down. We can shut lights off. We are typically always in a protected environment, whether we're at work, whether we're on the road traveling to and from, and whether or not we're at home. We're always within an enclosed space. And I truly believe that humans have lost senses because of that. Now, I'm not saying necessarily like ESP or stuff like that, extrasensory perceptions and things like that. I'm talking about actual senses that that we had back when we had to worry about who's going to stay up while the rest of us sleep because, you know, because there's 
eight or 10 of us sleeping around a fire and somebody's got to, somebody's got to stay awake and, and make sure nothing comes in and gets us. Right. Well, we think we're at the top of the food chain. We think we're, you know, there, there's no creature on this earth we can't protect mm. ourselves from. And I think when you realize not only that Sasquatch exists, but that they are more intelligent than us, meaning, you know, they can hunt, they can, they, you know, they have well, all they've the, mastered their environment. Right. They've mastered their environment. They've mastered being captured, you know, stuff like that. So they, they know, they know how to not be seen. They know how to hide. They know, I mean, and so, yeah, humans are almost like, I don't want to say dumbed down, but. Well, essentially, I think that's a yeah, really good way of putting it. I think we are dumbed down from what we were centuries ago, even thousands to. of years ago. I think, like I said, I think we are lacking some of the, um, the natural gifts that we were given to protect us in situations like that because, because people back yeah. then still did survive. Somehow, some right. way, they survived. It's a crazy ride when you, when you start looking into this subject matter. Well, it's very humbling. It makes you feel very small knowing that, realizing that um, there's a bigger, faster, stronger, more intuitive, smarter, human-like being out there. And that, you know, I think that in our experiences, if it hadn't, if it didn't want us to know it was there, we wouldn't have. And, um, you know, it's, their instincts are probably what human beings used to have. Uh, and you know, we don't now, we don't need them. Just like, you know, when you like domesticated dogs, you compare them to wolves. Wolves are bigger, faster, smarter, more, you know, intuitive dogs, really. So I kind of feel that way about Sasquatch. You know, it's the same thing that they're just this different version of us who is closer to how humans right. used to be. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, but I sent you a text about about bears in northern Michigan. And and in that I detailed yeah. and I won't bore everybody with it, but if you if you want to, it's very easy to look up. Um, the mating season, the gestation period, mm -hmm. and the amount of time that cubs stay with their mother. Yeah. In the in the bears that are typically found in northern Michigan. And you know, bears really for the most part, don't have any interest in human beings. For the most part, right. they will they will turn and exit an area rather than risk an encounter, unless they're yeah. taking care of their young. Then they become aggressive. And right. if do yourselves a favor, go look up the information about northern northern Michigan bears, and. When you look at the, when you add it all together and you do the math, the, the time for a bear to be 
in the Sugarloaf area with cubs is highly unlikely during the summer right. months. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of people. So. Well, yeah, and that's what I was thinking when we were thinking about could it be a bear, and I thought, but there's all these people here every yeah. day. Why would bears hang out where there's well, hikers? Well, we, and We talked to the local. We know a local family that, that goes out there all the time. And they even told us during the summer months and that, so like in the winter time, there's moose, there's bear, uh, wolves, everything that runs around there. And during the summer months, you don't see nothing because of the people that hike the trails and stuff like that. So, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, they that, you know, one guy said to us, he's from there, and he said, you know, you really don't need to worry. He said there in the summer, there's... Everything stays yeah. away because There's too much traffic of the too much traffic and too many people. And he said, you know, so it's not very likely that you'll see any bears or wolves or anything like that. So that it's was not unlikely, though. It's, I mean, it could happen, but we did some digging and I think we found there had only been two mountain lion sightings in years like a decade and it's very rare um that people up there run into animals up there and i can't imagine a bear approaching a group of people you know um or hanging out on the side of a mountain well yeah don't cook steak there but <laughs> probably not a good um, idea but like Sugarloaf Mountain, I said, why would a bear hang out along a hiking path where hundreds of people hike every day? That it just didn't make sense to me that a bear would do that because bears, like you said, avoid people. And I can't imagine any other wild animal thinking, I'm going to go hang out. Where there's all these people and, you know, people have their dogs on the trails and it just didn't make sense. It's, you know, uh, Sasquatch, you know, from my opinion, it's, it seems like they're getting more curious than anything. Watching people from a distance, stuff like that's that. That's a very so common, a very common commentary that people, people believe yeah. that this species is one of their primary things is to observe us doing what we yeah. do. Right. And that's what it felt like, I guess. Like when we were hiking the trail, it was very eerie, like someone was watching or. Yeah, like we were being tested or something. Who knows? It was just you know? a very weird feeling. I mean, we hike pretty often. Um, but I've never had that feeling and, uh, you know, it was just this feel. I can still remember that feeling. I didn't feel it on Sugarloaf Mountain. Um, I, I mean, it was bizarre on Sugarloaf Mountain, but yeah, when we were hiking, it just felt like we shouldn't be here. I guess that's how, that's how my husband described yeah, it. It felt like that it was. It felt like, you know what, just get out of here now. Let's 
give whatever's there space, space and get out now. Yeah. You know, just don't run, just walk, you know, just just keep it moving. But, so. yeah, I mean, it's when you, like you said, when you put everything together, the only animal that makes sense that would be kind of observing hikers would be a squatch because of their intelligence you know they're they like bill said they're probably curious about people and seeing who's here and what's going on and uh there have been i did check the bfro which i know is highly filtered selective but we did find i think there have been nine sightings in the area in that county that have been reported. Uh, that have been reported to the BFRO. Now, Bill did find out that there's a local woman who had a, says she had a Sasquatch on her property, yeah, right? I think it was like 1980s or early 80s that uh, she's in the area of the Bay Area over there. And uh, she's in her backyard was a Squatch and... To this day, I'm well not sure. To this day, that you know, um, that she was making statues. Her and her husband were making statues of her, uh, of the big really? she's seen. So, and I heard, I heard about that through a local person too. And you know, it's um, and you could, and it was in the paper. Uh, if you look it up, uh, in the Bay Area over there. Uh, of a sighting and about statues on this woman's property. So it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's just very interesting. <laughs> now, yeah. Now that we're thinking about it and like all the Bigfoot stuff we've seen up there. And uh, I mean, I don't think people up there would believe if they didn't have a reason to, you know, but I wish I had known, I guess, going into it. Well, you know, I'm a firm believer in where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, so if you have right. if you have an entire community that is basically putting out signs that Bigfoot is in the area, you know, granted, some people are doing it because it's the thing to do. Some people are doing it because they think it's cute. Um, but at some point, it all filters back to there's a reason for it. It, it started from something and, you know, misidentification, maybe a lot of, a lot of people up right. in that area. You cannot tell me that they are not avid hunters. And that's the thing. I mean, all the people we know who live there, they're, they start hunting at, you know, mm-hmm. seven, eight years old and it's all hunters and loggers and miners up there. These, these aren't, you know, silly people you know like us i would absolutely people. love to be able <laughs> but, to get a hold of some of those loggers know, and and run yeah. some questions by yeah them. Well, well now james lady put us uh there's a little teeny cafe in the one gas station that's in mm-hmm. big bay and uh you know he told us to go talk with her she lives up there and i guess has quite a few encounters and experiences that you know and she can pinpoint 
the areas where you can find them. Um, so now I'm kind of, honestly, I'm kind of scared to go back there. But at the same time, now I'm more curious because now it's like, okay, we know these things are there. Now that we know it, let's go up there and talk to people. I'm not going to, you know, be finding Bigfoot, right, Bigfoot right. and taking, going out and banging on trees and howling. I, I don't, I could, I just wouldn't do that. I don't see well, that. Well, I want to go back to what your husband That's said very, just a, a short time ago. Uh, back to the reference on uh, uh, your your second experience where you, you backed back down the uh, the trail. He said there mm-hmm. was an overwhelming feeling that you were being told, turn around and go home. And right. I think that is a, a very uh, a very simple way to state follow your gut. If something's telling yeah. you that it's not a good idea to be in that area, there's probably good reason. You know, and whether it's a bear right. or whether it's a predatory cat or a, a pack of gray wolves, if you're getting that feeling, mm-hmm. get the hell out. Right. Yeah, we learned that lesson. So, moving forward, what have you learned about what you need to take with you when you go camping next time? Well, I've been told by, (laughs) I've been told now by a couple people that we've now spoken to that, um, one said, bring your guns. But, uh, another one said, you don't really don't want to, uh, aim or shoot at it, show any type of aggression towards, so he said, James Lady said, you know, it's good to have some bear spray. But he said what you just said. He said the most important thing is to trust your gut and, um, you know, to be respectful and know that this is their, it's yeah. their house, you know. And, and, I, and I do agree. Only I agree with the, the arming yourself um, and not not as a not as a threatening weapon to use against a so-called Sasquatch, but in a situation like that, we're bear spray. Definitely hundred percent, but there's also a lot of kooks out there. And if you're out camping with your family and your young kids, you should have a way of protecting yourself. And yeah, you know, it's an unfortunate byproduct of, of the way people are today, but I am, I'm firmly, in a in agreement with uh, having a weapon. Yeah. Well, yeah, and now we know that, and we are, you know, gun owners, and so, you know, it's a process. But I feel like this, when we go this time, um, we're just have a whole lot more information. Well, I'm going to start sewing some eyes in the back of my hat saying, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's scary, not just because this didn't only make me realize that there's Bigfoot. It made me just hyper aware of there could be bears and wolves and whatever. And again, we would have had no way to protect our kids against any sort of attack, even a human. So it was a big awakening, not just for Bigfoot. You know, it's, I said, 
we've been very naive going out in these woods, you know, with nothing but a knife. And I said, you know, we can't keep going up there like this. So we've been lucky and we've been fine, but I mean, it's better to have it and not need it, you know, than to need it and not have it. So even Bigfoot aside, we just have more awareness now of just how big and powerful these woods are. And that's a, that's a thing that, you know, like your husband said, weekend warriors don't ever take into consideration. And that's when people get in trouble, whether it be inclement weather or, you know, running into wildlife unexpectedly. That's, that's the, that's the issue without, you know, I, I brought up your situation with uh, Blake DeShure from the Lost Cryptids Conservatory a short time ago when I was on their show on YouTube and uh, his initial recommendation to you was the same thing. Make sure that you have some outdoor training, some preparedness before you go out into an area that you have literally no idea what's out there. Yeah. And that's the first step, you know, and I think it's great to have a, um, a healthy curiosity about these creatures I don't dissuade anybody from researching and and going and doing all the tracking down all the information they can and and seeing for themselves what makes sense and what doesn't um, because ultimately that's that's a big part of getting involved with this subject matter is your gut going back to that again is going to lead you down a path you're going to see some things and it's not going to sit right with you and chances are that's a hoax. And then you're going to see other things that I describe as being extremely organic in the way that it moves and the, and the, um, the subtleties of, of what you're seeing that lead me to have a belief in the fact that this is an actual biological creature that I'm looking at. And it's, and it's Absolutely. not something that you can fake. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I encourage people to get involved and, you know, if the subject matter interests you, Start taking a look at it for yourself, and it won't take. Well, that 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 literally just happened to me just now. I just went down the rabbit hole, so <laughs> I I I just went on to the B uh was the BFRO site, and I was just looking, and um, I came across uh, one of the reports that was in uh, Marquette County, and I uh, from two thousand two. And I was just reading this guy's story, and literally, it's the same area where we were just talking about it for our first uh, thing when we were mm-hmm. walking in the woods. And it was, I mean, from what he described, it's the exact same area, and the <laughs> it just gave me the goosebumps, you know. Literally, literally I read it, and um, I was just like, holy cow. And, you know, I didn't, we didn't see anything, but we heard something, but it was just for, for the person that responded to it and was saying things about it. I was like, holy cow, that's the area where we were in. Um, It is shocking when you realize it, when you, it's like you have an aha moment. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. When you're like, holy crap, no, this. It's not just me. I'm not crazy. I'm not imagining it. It it happens to other people. I had a, a, a tremendous fascination with this subject matter 
uh, from being a young kid all the way through adulthood and, and still do. But my aha moment started probably around eight to eight to nine years ago. Up until that point, I was I was aware of the Patterson Gimlin film, had seen it several times on In Search Of, um, had read some some books uh, that were you know good for their time, but I was watching Finding Bigfoot and and shows like that, and because it was a it was a subject matter that I was extremely interested in, and and I walked away from every right. one of those episodes deeply being disappointed in my in my heart that. I was aware of what they were doing. The producers were were gearing this more towards, you know, a fantastical weekly show that, you know, every every edit and every cut was designed to to make you come back after the commercial break and at the end of the day when the credits roll, there was nothing, you know. And right. And, yeah. But it was still it was about a subject matter that I was passionate about and I wanted to watch it, but I was always disappointed. And in about eight years ago maybe nine years ago, I kind of, I kind of broke through that level and started digging deeper and started because up until that point, to me, it was like, well, if they're making a show about it, then these must be the smartest people there are about the subject. Right. And anything that I would find on the internet by, you know, Joe Blow Bigfoot Hunter, who the hell are they? We don't, you know, we don't know them, but as you, as you, as you get past those kind of shows and you start going online and, and digging up your own information, you start finding that those no names who are putting out content and on a, on a regular basis and, and taking a, taking a good hard look at this stuff. That's where you get a lot of your really good information. Yeah. And I think it goes back to like you were saying, kind of filtering Mm -hmm. the bullshit and, it is frustrating with shows like Finding Bigfoot. Um, it kind of glamorizes the topic. And uh, what I found, what where I've gotten the most valuable information is listening to people's yeah. encounters. Because when you listen to enough of them, you pick up patterns. Exactly. You 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 really build you really know who and what these creatures are from people's encounters. And I don't think there's anything more entertaining than actual real stories. You know, finding Bigfoot to me is frustrating for the same reasons you said. And I, I mean, I think I've seen one or two episodes, but it's so goofy. And if you ask anybody who's seen a Bigfoot, they'll tell you, the best way to meet a Bigfoot is to be yep. quiet and silent and uh, let them come to you, you know, let them come to you because they're not going to come over and check you out if you're howling and banging on trees. And I think it's kind of insulting to Sasquatch that <laughs> uh, they, well, it, it makes them seem very dumb because, I always said, do they really think that these creatures can't tell the difference between a human and a, yeah, you know, Sasquatch? It just seems very silly. So I think filtering through the nonsense. For your entire life and never shaved, I understand. Right, but. unless you're some big hairy mountain man. <laughs> but um, 
So, yeah, I think it's important to, like you said, the most information has come from everyday people. And, um, you know, like James Lady, he's just a regular guy, but he's got video after video of sounds and things he's seen and structures in the woods. And, and it's just him and his camera out there hanging out quietly and, you know, he's captured all this and he, and it just happened. So, you know, people, if you really want to find out about Bigfoot, you know, go on YouTube and, or watch, I found, I've probably watched every documentary on Prime and uh, there's a lot of great documentaries on Prime about real people and their real experiences and the scientists, Dr. Meldrum and, you know, all these actual experts who have spent years and decades researching and, you know, working on this. Those are the people you're going to get the best information from. It's funny you said about the documentaries and stuff, because uh, a good friend of mine that I do a local podcast with, he's, he's kind of turned the corner on the Bigfoot thing. It used to be heavy eye rolls and size and like, Oh, here we go again. Eric's at it again. Right. He's, he's starting to dig, dig a bit deeper because he has now seen mm-hmm. a few things that have been compelling to him that he's, he's accepting the idea that, okay, this, this might be worth taking a look at. And he's look, a, and- he's a very avid hunter. So he spends a lot of time out in the woods <clears throat> in southwestern Michigan. Mm. It's funny because I'll get text messages from him anytime he finds something that's, you know, on, on broadcast TV about Bigfoot. And he's like, hey, are you watching this or have you seen this? And, you know, I'll, we'll send back different pictures that we see that, you know, have have some pretty unique qualities to them. And he uh, he just recently texted me one night, what's a good documentary to watch? And my response to him was, well, that's hard because there's a lot of documentaries out there and there's a lot of good stuff in a lot of these documentaries, but you have to weed through the stuff that really shouldn't be in there as well. Right. Because, because there is some stuff in there that is like, "Mm, come on. But then in the same documentary, you'll see something that is like, oh shit. Now that's now you got my attention now. Um, so right. that's, that's where your yeah. gut comes into play. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, in some, I've noticed there's a lot of people, um, who have been in a lot of documentaries, a lot of podcasts, and they really know the science. And, you know, to me, that's fascinating. Like I said, I didn't even know, I didn't even know there were footprints that have been found. And, um, when I first started going down the rabbit hole, I made the mistake of watching Sasquatch, you know, the document, newer documentary yeah. on Hulu, quote unquote documentary. I mean, it was a true crime yeah, documentary. And it was a great it's show. Not, it was, it was very, no, but it was, it was poorly marketed. It was, it was, it was frustrating yeah. to me because the first episode had great information about mm-hmm. Bigfoot all this data, credible people interviewed. So I'm like, yes, this is awesome. And then as the documentary goes on, it starts showing 
people saying Bigfoot's not real, it's all fake, blah, blah, blah. And so it was very disheartening because I think that was a great opportunity to get, you know, the masses interested. Well, and in then and then the big, big the big zinger at the end. It's been out well en- long enough now, so if you haven't seen it by now, shame on you. But uh, you know, I don't. I'm not worried about spoilers. But when you find out one of the people that is implicated in the murder of of these people on the mountain goes by the name of Bigfoot. Because he walks, he's a large man, and he walks around without shoes. It's like, come on, yeah. You, why, why did you waste the film for the first episode to to suck everybody into thinking that this is going to be about a potential murder by Sasquatch? Right. Yeah, and I was, I was very frustrated because you know if I wanted someone to become interested in Bigfoot. If I showed them the first episode of that documentary, I guarantee their jaw would be dropped to see all this information from scientists and professors and, you know, locals. And I'm like, you know, this is fantastic. Only for them to turn around and be like, just kidding. It was a human and Bigfoot is all a big joke. And so that was very frustrating. Um, but so stuff like that, again, the glamorizing of it all is hurting our case. But I think if someone is really open to it, you know, they'll find the right information. Yeah, there's there's a ton of information out there. And it's not even, I, I forget who it was that said, the amount of information, the amount of evidence that has been collected already without a body, without a clear, super high-definition photo or video, the evidence that's been collected already would be way more than enough to convict somebody of murder in, in, a, in right. a civil case. Uh, oh, than, yeah. You know. But that's yeah. the bane of our it's existence is there are no bodies that have been made right. public. And but like I said, I don't even think a body would convince anybody who doesn't believe, or at least not very many people, because I think it's something people don't want to believe. I didn't. And I find believe. that such a hard thing. Um, I understand your point of not wanting to believe that you were that close to something that mm-hmm. could potentially have been uh, catastrophic to to you and your family. Um, but what I don't understand is the people that cannot accept the idea that something like this could be possible. You know, right. it doesn't, maybe I'm just wired wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. But the idea, the idea of no. something, that creature being alive does not seem that unrealistic to me. Well, yeah. And that's what frustrates me too, because once you, you know, learn all the evidence, um, you, there's no pot. Once you know the evidence, there's no way you can say they don't exist or at least that it's not possible. But, you know, I've seen people in front of me reject the data and the facts. And I don't know why people don't want to accept the facts. And I, again, like you just said, what is so, why is it so difficult 
why isn't it possible? I mean, they're a biological being and there's nothing about them that isn't, couldn't be possible. You know, there's nothing, there's no reason they couldn't exist. But I think it's so ingrained in us to not believe in Bigfoot that even when we're face to face with the data, your your brain is wired to say, nope, not real, not real. But I think it's because people just don't have the information. They don't understand that Bigfoot is an actual animal. And to me, that was key in, you know, continuing my research. I had to, before all this, I just imagined it as some mystical, like a unicorn, you know? Exactly, yeah. And... But when you learn about them, you go, there's nothing, you know, about this animal that couldn't exist. There's, they don't, you know, have fairy dust or, <laughs> have, you know, I mean, they're just another, they're another animal. They're another being. So I think that's a big thing is we're taught that they're mythical creatures. Joanne. I want to thank you and your husband, Bill. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys. I think we have firmly addressed your unwillingness to want to talk on the telephone. <laughs> Can you remember when I when I, I first so. when I first posed this to you? You were like, "Nope, I hate my voice. I don't want to talk on the phone. I hate this. I hate that." And uh, Bill, yeah. if it wasn't for hearing you cough in the background every once in a while. I would not know you were even here. So, <laughs> my best. Hey, he didn't drop any. <laughs> no, he didn't. So it's been a success. I want to thank you guys so much for for doing this. Um, I again, like we started out, I think this kind of information is every bit as valuable as as an actual eyes on sighting of these creatures because mm -hmm. I think it gives people just a couple more pieces of the puzzle of things that they can keep in the back of their head. And just because you're not seeing something doesn't mean something's not around. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for having us and finally pushing me to come on and talk. It was, about it, it was a good show. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. You guys take care. Alrighty. Thanks. Good night. Thank you for joining me this evening. If you have an experience or there's a topic that you'd like to have covered on an upcoming episode, please contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. T-shirts are still available in sizes medium through 2XL. The cost is $25, and that covers the shipping to anywhere in the continental U.S. The show is growing by leaps and bounds. Thanks to you, the listener. 
We've got some great content coming up. So stick around. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.